0: It's going to be great. Well, welcome. As Michaela said, this is going to be kind of a special Sunday today. Uh, We're just going to talk about vision. And um, I grew up in Colorado, and um, there'd be times where I would just go out up into the mountains to just break away from everything, to take a pause from normal routine of life, to get out in nature, to be with God, to connect with Him. But also to kind of get some perspective, to kind of see the season that I'm in, to look forward and to see what kind of season do I want to enter into. Sometimes that's my decision, sometimes that's the Lord's, but um, just to kind of get perspective. So that's what we're going to do this morning, okay? Uh, and then next week we'll start roaming, so, uh but this will be kind of a little different. Uh, I Just real quick, uh, ushers are going to pass out some seeds to you. So grab one and pass it along. Um, Another person I want to introduce this morning is Ryan Hickman. Ryan, wave your hand. Ryan Ryan and I have actually been friends since 1996. Um, He went into the ministry uh, the year after I did. Uh, He was actually in law school, had his law degree, working at the KNEA. One of the only uh, believers in the KNEA office. But uh, anyway, felt the call of God on his life. Uh, He and his wife with children... Uh, went into, uh, out to California to get some training, and now he's here, and he's been in ministry. and Ryan works for Call to Greatness and is also on our elder team. So if you haven't met Ryan yet, I've, I just encourage you to. He's a great guy. All right, so seeds are going around. Sweet. Um, the last two weeks, the last two weeks, just to kind of bridge it of what we've been talking about lately. Last couple weeks, we have been looking at God's story. Because we believe that God's story is one of the most epic, moving, transformational stories ever told. Compelling. And uh, history, or his story, see what I did there? His story declares, mmm, got to be sharp, right? No, that was probably like third grade level. we got, we got work to do. Anyway. History declares that there is a God in heaven who created not only all that we see in nature, but he bound himself to humanity to such a degree that they would be his image bearers, his representatives on the earth. And Jesus came to redeem us so we could go so, and restore us and put us back on that track of being God's imagers out in the world under God's lordship and under his leadership and uh, and that's what we've been called to do. We've been called as followers of Jesus to bring heaven to earth. As much as heaven might be in your future, He has called us to bring heaven to earth. And so, as we look out, even in our culture uh, in which the good Lord placed us, we I want you to see this: we live in one of the most amazing, interesting times in the history of mankind. We really are. We really do. Our society is fundamentally changing on so many levels. Businesses, over the past 10 years, business corporate world has turned upside down the old guard of how to do business and how to uh, have a culture in businesses are changing. They're having to modify and grow. Uh, Advertising if you've been in the advertising gig at all, uh, advertising is completely different, right? Who watches commercials on TV anymore? Nobody, right? No, we don't watch commercials. We don't hardly watch TV anymore. We stream everything. Um, but we're, we're, you, are, you are walking through the biggest communication shift in 500 years, ever since the printing press. 500 years, we've been functioning basically on books, but in your generation, we're going through the biggest technological uh, shift in 500 years. So much at our fingertips. There's almost, uh, it's almost becoming a part of us. Augmented humanity. We're becoming more connected, but more lonely. Scientists now say that they're on the verge of developing a pill that will not make you feel lonely. I'm like, what does that pill do to you? right? <laughs> Have a conversation with yourself. I mean, those, remember those old Disney movies where it was like a real movie, but then they'd interject cartoons into the movie? Golly, you guys are too old for that. All right. Uh, but in our society, too, not only technology, business, a lot of upheaval, but, you know, we've got, we've got uh, culture wars when it comes to politics, what party you're in, uh, what narrative do you feed off of, uh, we also uh, have a cult of celebrity. So in our culture where celebrity or success, especially uh, on, with social media, I mean kids nowadays, uh, I think a third of, I, th- I think it was eighth graders, they surveyed uh, and a third wanted to be YouTube sensations. A third, okay? It's kind of scary. But this cult of celebrity, that if I could get enough likes, if I could get enough feedback, Uh, I could be a person of influence. And so a lot of people listen to those celebrities, but we're in a major culture war. Where do you stand? Where does a follower of Jesus stand in those areas? I would submit that there's, at least in politics, there's a third way in politics. Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was talking to his disciples. And the Pharisees represented kind of the religious order, religious Authority And the Sadducees were the political authority. He says, beware the yeast of these. A religious spirit or a political spirit. Because what they do is they bring division in the body of Christ. What narrative are you listening to the most? A political one or God's? We live in a, heard a, a, heard a post-truth world. Postmodernism has, over the past 30 or 40 years, as it's grown and flowered, has begun to try to tear down the foundations of not only um, some foundations, uh, not only within our country, but just truth itself. When it comes to truth, it's it's your truth, it's my truth, it is an opinion of truth. But really, there is no absolute truth other than there's. It's absolutely true right? In philosophy, one of the greatest ways to break down, there's no absolute truth. You ask, you raise your hand, you say, is that, do you believe that absolutely? And uh, it's self-contradictory. There is a truth. There is evil, and there is good. If there is good, or if there is evil, there's got to be a moral law. If there's a moral law, there has to be a moral law giver. But anyway, we're being filled with meaningless junk we consume and we try to fill this empty hole that we feel. But the real problem in our society and it's a problem that none of us and I don't hear very often talked about within our culture. The real problem is that we have as a, in a culture a soul problem. A soul problem. Our souls are hungry because you've been made in the image of God and so when we're when we're kind of trying to fill that with anything but, it's this fruitless endeavor, but there's a hole in your soul that only God can make whole. There's a hole in your soul. Mm. That was crafted. That was handcrafted for you guys this morning. (laughs) There's a hole in in the soul that only God can make whole. But, again, when you look I want you to see with eyes of faith what God sees over our generation and this and coming generations. It's one of the greatest opportunities for the gospel of Jesus Christ to come in and turn lives upside down, to get to rescue them, to see them set free from the bondage of their past, set free from the enemy's attack on their life, and set onto a ground where they can actually grow in the kingdom of God and become who God's made them to be. What an opportunity. And we can get balled up with anxiety and fear, and some churches do, unfortunately. The world is so evil out there, but we're just going to huddle up in here. Do you know what Jesus did? In the Old Testament, the Old Testament with, with, uh, with the law, it was almost as if God was trying to point out the power of people's sin. And it's powerful. It separates you from God eternally. Uh, it wrecks your life. It brings chaos. It brings not only in your life, but in the lives around you. But when Jesus got on the scene, the whole tide turned into the other direction. The power of sin. Jesus came to show us the power of light is so much more powerful than Darkness. But our culture does not need more entertainment even if it's Jesus-tainment. We don't need any more entertainment. What the world, the nation, our city needs, are wholehearted, mature, robust sons and daughters of God imaging Jesus and reproducing in the world. Not only physically reproducing, but reproducing yourself out in the world through building or creating or pouring your life into other people how my own journey got uprooted. When I was 19 years old, I grew up in a rather large church, um, so I kind of knew the gospel from an early age. Uh, but in my, at, and during high school, uh, one of the guys that I was uh, doing a Bible study with, uh, we ended up at, the par- at a party together, and um, he brought his two-foot bong, and I thought, Okay, Bible study and bong. I didn't know you could do that. But he was older, he was an upperclassman, I was a freshman, and I was like, well, hey, that plan sounds good to me. So I started developing this dual life where publicly or with certain people, I'd be one way, with my close friends, I'd be another way. Thought I was getting away with it, but there was something deep in my heart that said, but Dave, God's got a call on your life. So much of the world was so appealing. It was new. It was a new experience. I wanted to experience it. I remember finally getting into college, and I was thinking, "Man, I can build my own life. My own life." Moved far away from Colorado, so I could get away from high school friends to start. Moved to the promised land of the Mount Oread, <laughs> on top of Wakaru- in the Wacoosa Valley, Kansas University. Anyway. Um, so, my dad would. sorry, that's, that's, my dad went to KU and he has this whole poem that he, I grew up listening to, so, sorry, that's part of it. But anyway, there was, I joined a fraternity, that's kind of what I was like at the time, and I was living life. Until a guy in my house got radically born again, and he started preaching to kind of everything that moved, man, Every, even the dryer, you know, he'd preach at the dryer, the dryer was moving. Anyway, but he, he, would, he would just kind of light people up. He was really zealous, not a lot of wisdom. But um, I'd be kind of caught in his crosshairs every once in a while. And he goes, hey, man, you living for God? And in some moments, I'd kind of fake the funk and say, yeah, man, come on, man, me and Jesus. But really, I was my own guide. I was my own life, and I was my own Lord, supposedly, we talked a couple weeks ago about the myth of autonomy. But, um, but we ended up in a room together alone at the end of my freshman year, and he just blasted me. He just spoke truth to me in such a way that I, I hadn't really heard. I've always heard the kind of the religious lines, but I hadn't really heard the real lines. Where he goes, you're, the way you're living your life is dishonoring the cross and gospel of Jesus Christ. Either get right with him or stop saying you're a Christian. And it was like two by four. You know, old Tommy boy, you know, it's like doesn't hurt here so much or here. But it was a two, and I got, a, I got so mad. I was like, man, I'm an effing Christian. You don't effing know what you're talking about. And I left the room because he had seen through my game. He had read right through me. Probably wasn't hard. <laughs> but that changed my life. Every time I put my head down on the pillow, I couldn't fall asleep without listening to that word. It was like God's spirit was speaking through him to me. And I go off, I give God excuses for about six weeks, held that back about six weeks, and then finally one night I just said, God, I I see who you are, that you are truly king and Lord over this whole world. I don't make you king, you're already king, and I want to come under your leadership in my life. I had made a lot of mistakes, but I was going on a path, and I was sensing, I, my life was going down a path that I did not want to go down inevitably. Do you ever say that when you were a little? Like, man, I'll never, man, I'll never smoke cigarettes. You know? And then you get into college, and you know, you're like, hey, man, give me a cigarette. I need, I'm drinking. I need to smoke. But... My life was forever changed, and I met a couple people. That guy introduced me to a couple more people, and so I started going to church. It was a really small church, met on Saturday nights, and uh, this, anyway, it was a bunch of rowdy people for Jesus, but none of them were like me. A lot of international students, there were, I was the only fraternity guy, other than the guy that preached to me. And uh, I didn't really find anybody that was like me, but God, I knew that this was where God had me because as I, as I kind of had grown up in the church, I was so familiar with just kind of soft, lack of vertebrae, no boldness, kind of type of living life for Christ that it was like internally you would believe or you'd kind of believe the concepts, but when you go out into the world, would your life look any different? Would your life, you know, be a shining light uh, where you're beginning to image who God is? But I was so locked up. But it was these guys that kind of took me in and started pouring their life into me. And uh, so I'd go to church, we'd kind of meet for Bible studies and we'd hang out, but it was like, man, I was getting discipled. It wasn't just that I began, I got converted, it was like, man, I was getting discipled and the more I read the scriptures, And the more I read about how Jesus came to turn the world upside down, man, there were crowds. There were always crowds. And only a few times did he turn the crowds away. But his main focus was on a hand-select group of people that he was willing to pour his life into to see the world turn upside down, to take the greatest message of all time and turn the world upside down. And so Jesus said this to his disciples began this great journey with him, and it always was started with, come follow me. Come follow me. I love that about Jesus. He didn't say, clean up your act, and then you can come see me. Hey, just if you memorize all this, and then once you kind of memorize all that, then you can come. No, it was just this simple invitation of come follow me, because I will teach you the new ways of God's kingdom. Ways that you don't know because really this kingdom is upside down or the, usually the reverse of what you've been grown up and trained to live. Come follow me. It's what captured me. Jesus and his heart to heal me up, to train me, to fulfill a purpose that God designed for me. It was handcrafted. How many of you know God has a handcrafted calling on your life? On your life. Not just preacher's life, but on your life. And that purpose and calling does not just happen. It's by us seeing the grand story of God in His kingdom. It's by Jesus capturing the allegiance of your heart, healing and restoring you. It's by setting you on a course, if you go all in, setting you on a course of walking with God in relationship, hearing His Word Man, this word is so beautiful. This word is so beautiful. It's, it's, it's spoken to men and women through millennia. This word is so precious. Hearing His word, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. God wants to raise you up so you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your daily life. Getting to be in relationship with Him and His. And, his, and could you imagine? If you, as a person, imagine being all in with Jesus. Imagine what your life would be like. A lot of times we think of change as loss, suffered by, or followed by pain and suffering, right? Whenever we think change, we think it's a loss. Therefore, because it's a loss, pain and suffering is going to follow. But in God's kingdom, when God brings change or God brings transformation, In God's kingdom, the exchange is not loss. It's actually gain. It's actually, okay, I'm giving God the rocks in my pocket, and in return, He hands me diamonds. And so this divine exchange God wants to have in your life so that you're not only become the image bearer that God made you to be, but could you imagine if us as a community united together, moving forward together, were those images could you imagine the image that we could create? Imagine someone coming, being a part of your life and then being brought in and introduced to the person of Jesus, brought in and introduced to a community that loves them, encourages them, corrects them, challenges them, but sees the calling of God in their life become reality. God wants to redeem your imagination. So today, I want you to kind of use your imagination. You all got your seed, Right? Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that. Don't lose it. I know we just passed it out and you thought, oh man, it's just a pea seed. I'm putting that down right there if you know your... But we're going to come back to that. Don't lose it. But I want you to use your imagination this morning to not only see your own life in the flow of what God, I believe,'s training process of your life, but to let God direct your imagination, like I said, of what it would look like when, when followers of Jesus come into maturity in community, the exponential power that has. So this morning, I just kind of wanted to share a little bit about who we are. And it's n- nothing earth-shattering, but I believe that it's going to create a full, hopefully a full robust picture for you as to like what we're here for and what we're here to be all about. So, start with this. If this starts working, I might have to turn it over to you. Okay. So, city life is a place where people can discover King Jesus and His kingdom and their place in it. City life is a place where people can discover King Jesus. Jesus was so passionate. I love Mark's gospel because he... In Mark's gospel, he just kind of gets right to it. In Mark 2, he shares a story of Jesus going around and beginning ministering to people. And he finds himself in this house full of tax collectors and sinners. Now, tax collectors, they actually were the most um, uh, diminished group of people in Jewish culture at the time. They were the ones taking uh, tax money from the Jews and paying it to Rome, who they were being oppressed by. And so the tax collectors became, the, they, they began to view them as almost like uh, betrayers, hypocrites, and they were the most hated group. Where did you find Jesus? Hanging out with those people. And that's the one thing, don't we? Isn't that the one thing that we love about Jesus? Is that the normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill sinner loved hanging out with him. There was something about his life, there was something that emanated off of his life that people wanted to be around. And Luke 19 says this, for the Son of God has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. We were all lost at one point in our lives. We're all wandering. We're all going our own direction. But Jesus hopefully, has come in and led you down a different path. City Life is a place where the lost, the nominal, the prodigals can find a home. To experience the love and healing only Jesus can provide and to see their life set on a new course in the kingdom of God. You know, I think that we as a church, especially if you've been a follower of Jesus for a little while, I think that it's very easy for us to not have Jesus' eyes over people, like really Jesus' eyes over people. You may have experienced that maybe early on, but sometimes we can kind of get comfortable in routine and rhythm, and we begin to kind of distance ourselves from people in the world. But let me tell you, my prayer is that we would be a place where our eyes would see what Jesus sees in people's lives to see the image that God created them to be, to see the treasure that lays in their heart, that lies dormant without Jesus, to see who they could become. God, open up my imagination to my coworkers, to my neighbors, to my friends. God, how do you see them? And getting God's heart of love for people that may be far from God. We're passionate about the gospel. We here are passionate about the gospel because we feel like it's the only thing that can bring ultimate transformation in someone's life. And so every Sunday, you're going to hear the gospel preached every Sunday. So we want people to discover who God is. And while coming to an allegiance to Jesus, you may have signed on to Team Jesus. It's like, man, I might have been lost, but man, I gave my life to Christ. My allegiance is Him. Man, if that's you, man, you're on Team Jesus. But Jesus doesn't want you just to have a a Jesus jersey on, on the sidelines. He wants you actually in the game. It's not just about getting recruited on the team. It's about training and equipping you for you to actually be on the field playing in the kingdom of God and through your life glorifying the God who made you. And so, secondly, city life is a place to grow into maturity, not to discover, not just to discover who he is, but to grow in maturity, grow in his likeness. Colossians 2 says this, the apostle Paul said, Therefore as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. God wants you built up. God wants you strengthened. God wants your faith to be sharp. There was one time in my life I was just kind of going through some battles, and I uh, was visiting in Colorado, and I visited this church, a, a financial partner of mine. I did campus ministry for a little while, and he partnered with me, and he invited me to his church. And so I went to his church, and the pastor uh, was, was kind of a little wild. It was a little, you know, it was a little like Pentecostal without a seatbelt. I mean, it was a little crazy, but I love it. I, I just love just different expressions of how people follow Jesus. And and uh, so they would have like a prayer line. All, the pastor would kind of, anybody who wanted prayer, they'd line up on the, on the side of the room. And I was like, okay, this is a little different. But hey, let's go for it. Come on, let's bring it. So, so she would just go down the line and pray for you, bring, give a prophetic word or whatever. And so she gets up to me, and she's like, you need to sharpen your sword. I mean, just came at me. I was just like, well, nice to meet you too. You know, she goes, you need to sharpen your sword. And it was like dead quiet, like waiting for me to respond. I was like, yeah, I probably do. I think that we get kind of used to, or we get used to our default. We have a default. I don't know if you do, if you know you do, but you do. <laughs> we all have a default. It's, it's where we go to to experience the least resistance in life. And we all have one. So when, when uh, anxiety Cranks up in your life. What's your normal routine? Uh, well, this is what I do. I get alone in my room. I go out drinking with friends. I do all this kind of, like, what is it? We all have a normal uh, status quo rut. And so when Jesus gets in our life, it's almost as if he knocks us out of the rut, but he encourages us not to come back. But if our faith is not sharp, if our edge is not sharp, We will find ourselves slowly gravitating back, much like a misaligned car, where if you take your hands off the wheel, you go right back into that rut. And so God's dream in your life is for you not to live in that rut any longer. It's to put you on a new path in the kingdom of God where you're growing, where you're maturing. But I will say, it's not always up and to the right. It's more like this. You know, with Jesus. But it's for your growth. Christians may go to heaven, but it's disciples who change the world. It really is. When you think about the people in your life that may have impacted you for Christ, more often than not, they were probably a disciple. They were probably one that actually took their faith seriously. They were probably one that didn't just show up on Sunday and, or just read their Bible in crisis. They were probably ones that took their faith very seriously, that they wanted to grow in their faith, move beyond, well, we'll get to there in a little bit, move beyond kind of like childhood stage and moving into kind of getting their eyes off to, onto other people. And they invited you in their world. They poured their life into you. Most likely that happened by a person who's a disciple. We want to be caught up in God's story and learn how to be a force for the kingdom of God that produces fruit and flourishing. And so, as much like we grow physically as human beings, uh, we grow in a similar way spiritually, where to kind of take this uh, graph here, we're going to So, we all kind of start off in this kind of first category uh, lost. Boom, right there. So, all of us kind of start here. But as as we may have experienced Christ, we cross the line, man, we turn into an infant. Now, what do infants need? They need to learn how to do life. They need a lot of information, they need fed, they need changed. A lot of dirty diapers in this phase. Man, I didn't know I could cuss at the devil. You know, there was one guy <laughs> early on in ministry. He had a little bit of a sailor mouth. And uh, but he wanted to be a follower of Jesus, and so he started following Jesus. And um, and uh and he and we were in about prayer, and we were talking about just taking authority in your prayer life, taking authority over your world and over your heart, and uh and so gave him some tools and I was like, all right, man, get after it. And so the next week he comes back and he goes, Man, that felt so good. I cussed the devil up and up and down all week. You know, and I'm like, okay, I like your heart. Like your heart on this. Let's build on this win. But let's maybe do a little course correction next time. Just reboken that devil. But we all start off as infants. We all start off like, man, what's this, what is this kingdom all about? How do I live? How do I forgive my neighbor? How do I love people? How do I have a time with the Lord? How do I cultivate this new relationship with Jesus that honestly is the greatest treasure in the world? How do we grow? But hopefully, as you're learning and growing, you move on into being a child. Now, a child, childhood's usually defined by selfishness, but... They're starting to do chores around the house. They're starting, to, they're starting to be a productive member, maybe not of society, but at least around the people that they're around. So, so they start learning and growing. Now again, they, they need to learn more. They need to, we need more information. And uh, not only information, but they actually need people in their life coaching them, bringing them along, encouraging them. Don't give up. Hey, I know this is a new lesson. I tell, you know, I tell my boys you know, this or have throughout the years, but it's like they'll, they'll get confronted with something they don't know at school and they just kind of want to, huh. you ever, if you have kids, you know, they're kind of like, huh. you know, this kind of like they're still standing but there's no bones in their body. And, uh, and it's like, dad, you know, I just can't really get this. And it's like, champ, if you just dive in one day at a time, lesson upon lesson, just don't get overwhelmed that this, there's this massive subject of math math that i don't understand i don't get it hey man just listen to the lessons do your homework at night i'll help you come on we can and then after a while it's like man i don't know why i was complaining about that but this new subject that i got going on now uh, you know it's like come on man let's go let's go but we want children to grow up into being a young adult amen come on Amen. amen Begin to see, This is where the people begin to see the world around them. Their eyes are now off themselves. Analysis, paralysis through analysis. A lot of times, infants and children are prone to just like, the more I focus on in here, the better I'll get. It's like, man, honestly, other than Jesus that's in your heart, uh, that other stuff, the farther down you get there, the more confused and dark that tunnel will be. It's actually if you turn around and look and begin like, wow, you actually got gifts and callings and and talents that God gave you. Why don't you turn that around and actually start helping people? And this is the greatest, I mean, other than being born again, this is a major kind of uh, transformation in someone's life. That it's not just about being kind of in the kingdom or saved and behave it's actually moving into maturity that you become an imager that god's made you to be and so it's moving in and then lastly it's being a spiritual adult or parent where where that you've grown up in the kingdom you've gotten your eyes off yourself you're now you moved into a young adult which is just they just need opportunity man minister here pray for that guy here Hey, let's go out and meet with this guy together it's it is they just need opportunity, but it's so that they can grow and be a spiritual adult, a spiritual parent, where not only are they and this is this is well, they not only have incorporated a lifestyle of a discipleship where they're pouring into younger people in the Lord, or maybe you know just. They have enough minister experience, but they're also developing and growing in their ability to image out in the world. And that's why when you a lot of times talk about discipleship, discipleship can be communicated as a church growth strategy. You know, if you just, okay, if you want your church to grow, you need to make disciples. But let me tell you, that is a wrong mindset. Because to reduce discipleship down into a church growth strategy cheapens discipleship. Discipleship is normal every day living in the kingdom of God. That's, that's just what we are. I'm, I'm going to be a disciple the rest of my life. Why? Because I have more to learn. I have more to see in God. I have more things that the Lord wants to unearth in my heart. It's like I am growing and I will be a lifelong learner. City life is a place where you can learn, lastly, to lead the way God designed you. And again, it's, it's seeing those kind of like all pouring back into other people and imaging out in the world. That's what we want to see happen in your life. Again, that's why I said we need to renew our imagination. We need to saddle our imagination with God's view of your life view over this culture and your place in the kingdom of God to see Him glorified. As a person that has grown and learns how to lead, it's to help bring solutions to problems that you are around. I mean, it's not just being kind of the Ned Flanders nice guy at work. It's about God, there may be some problems in this culture. There may be in in our work culture. Or, God, there may be some problems at home or in my extended family or uh, in my neighborhood. God wants to place you there as His ambassador to bring solutions to problems that you are around. You are birthing and growing the kingdom of God when you build, when you create, when you cultivate, and you care for and feed others. So here, we want you to discover that last slide, discover, we want you to grow, and we want you to lead the way God's designed you. Can you begin to imagine a little bit more for your life that God has for you? This is a full-bodied life Jesus came to give you. He died so you could be set free, and the only proper response to Jesus is allegiance. By the invitation of the king, he's saying, come, follow me. Let me teach you how to live in this new kingdom. This is the normal Christian life. Jesus didn't train people for a religious life. He trained people for real life. Life in Christ is not about, like I said earlier, save, be saved and behave. But it's about learning how to grow and mature and train to be on the field, in life, making plays for the kingdom of God. I love the Bible because it not only reveals who Jesus is and God's story, but it leaves so many things in one of the things that it leaves in is people's responses when God would call them. People's responses. I love how <laughs> I find myself in Moses a lot, but Moses, it was so funny, uh, Moses at the burning bush. If you ever want to get a little kick and get a little jolt of like encouragement, read the story of Moses and the burning bush with Jesus, or with God. Jesus was there too. But anyway, just want to be theologically correct. Uh, anyway, but in Exodus 3, God comes, appears to Moses. He's now probably 80 years at this time, and he spent 40 years in Egypt being raised in Pharaoh's household. Then he actually killed an a, a Egyptian a slave driver, and he leaves town out of fear. And he's been out in the wilderness for 40 years. And God comes on the scene at 80 years old. Come on. Here's Moses' response. He says, I'm going to call you to deliver my people out of Egypt. But in verse 11, Exodus 3, it says, But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You might have said the same thing. God, who am I? You said you have a calling on my life. But who am I? How about Exodus 4.1? He keeps going. God gives him a response to his kind of like kickback. And then Moses just keeps going, man. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Oh. They're starting to have a fear of other people's opinion. Hmm. But what if the Lord said, I got you? Read the story a little more detail than I got you. But he keeps going. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have never been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Moses had a problem with speaking. And then lastly, I love this. <laughs> but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> it's like at the end, okay, Lord, I see the call on my life, but God, can you please send someone, someone else? You have a unique contribution to the kingdom of God that only you can make. And so, I get it. Hesitation is a normal Natural reaction to God's call. But He has made you supernatural. We may have natural inclinations, but God has a supernatural call on your life. It's beyond what you can see. But it's God, when God calls people, He is saying, it's you that I have chosen to reveal myself in and through. So our encouragement is make Jesus and his kingdom the epicenter of your life and out of which flows all the issues of life. You may ask how we do that. For us here, getting into smaller community of dynamic, vibrant followers of Jesus because you know you can't do life alone. I tried to do, you've tried to live life alone. You've tried to live life, just I got it. How'd that work out? Probably not as good as you thought it was going to be. But if you ever want to grow in God, this should be your next step, is to jump in to life groups where really the magic happens. We can only do so much on Sunday morning, but if you really want to grow in God, it's to jump in a life group of people that will care for you, people that will encourage you, people that will challenge you, to be the person God's made you to be. So in couple, just a couple weeks, we're launching life groups. Um... People can sign up by email. You probably get it, you probably get little weekly emails. You can sign up there. Our digital bulletin that Michaela uh, has been plugging, and you can also take our check our website out. But we've got four life groups happening over the city all over the city. And here they are. We have uh, now three out of four on Thursday nights. And I'm telling you, if neither of those work, I'm telling you it is worth it, if you can, to move heaven and earth. To get there because you are worth it. Your calling is worth it. So, uh, North Overland Park Thursday nights. You got one in South KC on Thursday nights. You got one in Westport on Thursday nights. And then we got kind of a newer one. We got a, a mission, one in Mission, yeah, yeah, with uh, Courtney and Michael. And uh, they're going to meet on Tuesday nights. So, you know, our dream here at City Life is that we would grow to see life groups happen all over the city. To see small kingdom outposts everywhere. But that's God's call on us. It's not super sexy, but I believe it's the very thing that gets the job done in the kingdom of God, which is pouring your life into other people to see them become who God made them to be, to see them grow up To see them become young adults and spiritual parents. And to see their life set on a whole different course. So, it's our prayer at City Life that you would see what God sees over your life. Who He's made you to be. Handcrafted calling to impact the world as you grow in Christ. I want you to take that seed. And this is kind of the last thing, and then we'll pray. This little seed. Little seed that you have. It is filled with so much potential. It is filled with so much life, but it first has to go in the ground and die. It has to be put into an environment where it is optimally grown, which is a life group, which is a encouragement poured in, the Spirit of God encouraging you, you growing up and seeing that seed of the kingdom That if you're a follower of Jesus, it's in there to see that seed become. And you, in the same way, have to put yourself in that environment for that seed to grow. I've seen so many people get a seed and they stay an infant for decades. They stay because they always hesitate. They always are too busy. They always have things going on and they're like, oh, next time, Lord. Next time. Next year. Next year. And then when the stuff hits the fan, and it will, there's been so many times where people, man, things are happening. They don't really get tied in. Storm hits. Then they turn around to the church and say, where were you? I'm telling you, it's because You never got involved. You never put yourself in a growth path. You never put yourself, you stayed infant your entire life and now you really want help. I'm telling you, it's about growing up. It's about growing up spiritually. And that's what we want here. We want to to leave immaturity behind and come into maturity. And again, we're all in kind of different places, man. If you're new in the Lord, man, enjoy the season you're in. Enjoy it. Enjoy that infant phase. Enjoy learning. Man, get that learning spirit. And then grow. So, plant that seed. Amen? Amen. Sign up. Jump in life groups. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for an amazing morning. God, just what an amazing worship time together. Lord, fighting together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would, Father, just take our imaginations and God, have your way with them. Father, I pray that you would, even as we're dreaming and sleeping, God, that you would give us dreams and visions, God, of what you have in store for our lives and our life as a community. Father, I pray that you would truly take us to a whole new season, into a whole new level of walking with you, of growing up in you, of leaving childish things behind and moving forward in the kingdom of God to be the imagers and representatives you've made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, Please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.